When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Is your favorite book lover hard to shop for? Give the gift of TBR, Book Riot's subscription service offering tailored book recommendations for readers of all stripes. Choose from plans that allow your loved one to receive hardcover books in the mail or recommendations by email as a one-time gift or a year-long subscription. And sit back while our bibliologists do the rest. When your recipient redeems their gift, they'll complete a profile to tell TBR about their reading preferences and what they're looking for, and they can even connect their Goodreads account. Then we'll match them up with a bibliologist who will hand-pick recommendations just for them. Gifts start at just $15, so there's an option for every budget. TBR is produced in partnership with Print, a bookstore in Portland, Maine. So when you treat someone's shelf, you're supporting an indie too. Visit mytbr.co slash gift to sign up today. That's mytbr.co slash gift. Hello and welcome back to When in Romance, where we love to talk about romance novels and things that go along with them. This is episode 60, and we're recording on Wednesday, May 27th, 2020. There are still dates in 2020, as far as we know. I am Jess. Uh, I am Trisha, and I am delighted to be here with you, Jess. And I'm also delighted to be here with our very special guest. It's very nice to be here. We are here with Tosca Musk, who is the founder and very big deal person <laughs> in Passion Flicks. I, I've got to tell you, Tosca, I looked for a bio for you on the web on the Passion Flicks site, and I couldn't find one. And your Instagram bio says mother and I think movie maker or filmmaker, which is lovely. And your Twitter bio just has the Passion Flicks. So you're very humble. So I didn't know how <laughs> to introduce you other than to say that you're a filmmaker uh, yeah. and that you are the founder of Passion Flicks. Yeah, you know, I am um, I am a mother, I guess, uh, first, <laughs> uh, filmmaker, because I love it. And um, I guess officially, I'm the CEO of Passion Flakes. But filmmaking and what we do is such a team effort and such a team love that I'm a big uh, advocate for everybody sharing the praise. So, you know, I think everybody should, should get every, everyone gets the position. I couldn't be here without them. Well, that's lovely. And I think we'll talk a little bit more later on about, you know, the importance of involving every, you know, different kinds of people behind the camera and uh, in lots of different places. Jess, why don't we just do an ad spot straight up and then that way we can start getting into some of the many, many questions. Be ready, Tosca, that we have uh, for Tosca about Passion Flicks and some of the film adaptations she's done. Yes, let's do that. So let's express our thanks to Harbor Paperbacks and A Taste of Sage. It's considered sweet, bitter meets the hating game in an unforgettable, heartwarming, and hilarious rom-com about chefs, cooking, love, and self-discovery. Lumi Santana is a chef with the gift of synesthesia. 
She can perceive a person's emotion just by tasting their cooking. Julian Dax is a celebrated chef known for his acid tongue as well as his brilliant smile. Sparks and magic begin to ignite when Lumi starts working at Julian's French bistro. Clever, witty, and romantic, A Taste of Sage is sure to delight and entertain readers until the very last page. So thanks again to A Taste of Sage and Harper Paperbacks. And A Taste of Sage is by Yafa S. Santos. So, Tosca, part of the reason that we were able to, you know, connect this week is that you've got Gabriel's Inferno coming out. It'll be by the time folks are hearing this on June 1st, because we just assume everyone listens to it as soon as the podcast comes out, obviously. Immediately. The film will have been out for a couple of days, but Jess, I, I think I feel like we had some more kind of background type questions before we build into that specific film. Oh, absolutely. I feel like I might have gotten a hint of this way back in 2017 mm-hmm. when I was reading about becoming a founding member of Passion Flicks. But can you tell us a bit about how and why the platform as it is now came to be? Like, it's it's amazing that it exists. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, well, absolutely. You know, I was making um, a lot of Hallmark and, and Lifetime movies. And then I directed an Ion movie. And Joni Kane, who's one of the founding partners at Passionflix, she watched You Cast a Spell on Me, which was this movie that I'd done for Ion, a romance movie as well. And she emailed me immediately and said, I have a script. Would you shepherd it as a director? And I read it and was like, wow, she's a really great writer. And normally, you know, when you get when you get um, sort of unsolicited emails like that, you don't read things. But her email was just so charming and wonderful that I did. I showed it to my producing partner at the time, Gina, and um, I said, let's connect with this wonderful woman. Let's let's make something. And sadly, the movie that we wanted to make, we couldn't get off the ground because no network would buy it because it was a romance that was a little risque and, and dealt with magic. And so it mm. wasn't something that we could get sold on any network, but it was a mm. perfect romance, um, like mm. a beautiful romance, just like just so like that, that karma romance that you have. And, um, and so w- we ended up meeting when she came to L.A. Uh, over tuna fish sandwiches, and she told us that she wanted to turn romance novels into movies and series and, and had this idea for passion flicks. And my background is you know, producing, line producing and technology and directing. And so I said, well, you know, I could definitely turn that into a business. Let's work together. And we did. We came up with the entire plan for Passion Flicks together and how we would work with the romance community and how we would build the technology. And um, and then I worked with a designer and I designed the entire site and, and raised the money for the platform, which was very interesting going into that entrepreneurial world because it's very different, but it was like stepping back into the Silicon Valley world. And then really working with the romance community to see how we could prove the concept because most investors out there were very unsure of the romance community and if there's really any money in it, quite honestly. It doesn't matter how many times you tell them that <laughs> Fifty Shades of Grey made a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> They're still sitting there going, why? Let's make Fast and the Furious 10. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> and uh, so it was It was one of those things where, you know, we, we really worked really hard to tap in, not hard, but like we were welcomed into it, but we were, we were really focused on 
the romance community. And, and some of the best advice that I got very early on was make sure that we know who we're making this for, why we're doing it, and focus on those people and that reason only. I love that so much of that planning happened over tuna fish sandwiches and that you still remember right. it to a, yeah. an extent that <laughs> you've like, great. that's just kind of delightful. And I appreciate the way that you had your audience in mind so much mm-hmm. from the beginning. So I guess we actually did a sort of a, <laughs> I probably did a terrible job of explaining what passion flicks is, which is in shorthand. Yeah. And you, Tosca, you may hate this comparison, but it's sort of a Netflix that is specific to romance, right? It's a very yeah. specific, it's not just adaptations. There are a variety of different romance films on there, but many of the originals that you have made are adaptations from the kinds of romance novels that we talk about on this podcast all the time. So I guess one of the questions that I would pose to you as the driving force behind this is how do you choose a book that you're going to adapt? And what does that process from the selection of the book to the release look like? And maybe this is a a good time to bring in Gabriel's Inferno because you guys have a premiere party, I'm guessing probably a remote premiere party happening tomorrow. And so yeah, how does that from just like beginning to end, how does that go? You know, each book is different to a certain degree, but we were very fortunate to meet a lot of authors at RT in 2017 and pitched them the idea of passion flicks. And we had a few authors that jumped on board really early on, like Alessandra Torre um, and even Sylvia Day, Jody Ellen Malthus, Christy Bromberg. They all, you know, they, they came on board with us pretty early on. And because of that, we had enough strong, great content to pitch to our investors that we were able to say, listen, these are the stories we're going to do. This is the fan base that's involved. These are the authors that are involved. And, and so we can, we can make those. So that, that's, that was the initial, you know, jump, mm-hmm. but yeah, so, so, you know, we, we were just really lucky to not lucky, I guess we are, we were really lucky to tap into this, this romance market. So, so early on, again, being fans, it was one of those things that we were just focused on on tapping into the the authors that we really loved at the time and that we could get a hold of right away um, and that would actually give us the time of day because they didn't know us from Adam. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so when we actually got to meet them and then convince them that we wanted to make their books into movies and we had backing at the time, then we went ahead and wrote the scripts and we were able to make those movies. But each book that we get is different because we have a lot of books right now. We have about 30 books that are optioned and it will take us a while to make them. We're only just over two years old and we've made 12 so far. So that's that's pretty fast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the hope is to make another 20 in the next two and a half years or three years, depending on how, how the world opens up. But the, the idea is that we we get the book right away. We bring on a writer. In the past, Joni wrote those scripts, but Joni left Passion Flicks. And so now I bring on other writers to write the initial drafts. Then we send them to the authors. We get their feedback on the script. It's very important to me, to Passion Flicks, to our brand, to our our fans, that the authors read the script and feel that, that we have encapsulated everything from the book into the script. So they... If there are any lines that fans really love, we want to make sure that they're in the script. If there are any scenes that they loved, we want to make sure that they're in the script. If there are scenes that they hated and the author wants us to tone down, we'll tone them down. We we work very closely with them. And then once the script is done, we look at basically the weather 
and the number of places in the world that we can film in order for us to set the schedule for that next film. So a lot of the films are take place on the East Coast in summer or mm-hmm. London in summer. Um, mm-hmm. And so when you have that sort of situation, you can't shoot it in December. So, so we have to, yeah. um, and we can't shoot everything between May and August. So, you know, we have, we have too much to film. So we have to be very specific as to what, what we choose and when we choose to film them. And that, that plays a lot into, into our schedule. And then on top of that, it comes down to what, what people are really crying out for at the time and something different. We want to re- be able to release a different author, a different feeling, a different genre within the romance world so that we can sort of bring in a different audience with each movie as we grow. That's so interesting. I would have had no idea that the weather and part of the world plays that. Because yeah. I'm sure that you get the feedback all the time, because I would have thought this until five minutes ago, that, you know, people must think like, oh, well, if you're not at, you know, adapting the book that I love and the story that I love it's because you don't like it or you don't want to, or you're not trying hard enough or whatever. So, so all of those factors are really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the weather. The weather has yeah. a massive impact on where we can shoot. And yeah, that's, uh, that is the truth of it. So let me ask you this. So if it sort of seems like at this point, now that Passion Flix is a couple of years old and is you know, I would consider it well-established. You obviously have more insight on that than I do. Are there authors that you would approach now who would decline to have their their books adapted? You don't have to, you don't have to, you know, throw anybody anybody under the bus and give details, but it seems like it would be a great opportunity for an author. Yeah, absolutely. There are authors that have said no and there are authors that are going to say no. You know, there are some authors that really can't envision their work and and rightfully so, can't can't see their work being adapted and they don't want it and it's their babies and we respectfully understand that mm-hmm. and there are some authors that are maybe holding out for an hbo or netflix deal so we, we can't compete with netflix or hbo for their money but we certainly can compete with them when it comes to how we adapt the novel we adapt it in close proximity with the author we adapt it for the fan um, and we we really pay attention we have no time lengths you know we don't the movie doesn't have to be an hour and a half it can be five and a half hours like Gabriel's Inferno. It's it's it can be any length. And so our goal is to adapt the novel for the fan. But some people uh, and some authors may choose to go somewhere else and that's their decision. It's their book. It's their it's their heart. Yeah, that's that's definitely to be expected. And uh, you mentioned that Gabriel's Inferno is longer than some might expect it to be. Do you see in the future with even the books that you currently have optioned moving into kind of a series style episodic thing for any titles or are you still trying to do more features or is it really based on each book and how much material there is to to really build out? Well, it is based on each book initially. Um, and then it comes down to the cost of production. You know, while while we might say that we're two years and, and established, we are an incredibly young company. We're still growing. And, and the longer a movie is and the longer a series is, the more expensive it is. That's why features features are are much easier, I would say, to make than a series, because series you have to you have to think about content as um the cost per hour. So if 
one hour of content costs this much, two hours of content costs double, three hours of content costs triple, and a series is normally six to 12 hours of content. So we have to think about that just in, in terms of cost. And so just in, in that level, that, that's the first thing we think of. And then we have to look at each individual story. What do they need? What do they need to be really told for the fan as honestly as possible? What can we do to really tell the story and, and, and bring it to life in the way that I as a fan want to see it? And so is that a two-hour feature? Is that what we can really do? Or five-and-a-half-hour uh, miniseries or 30-minute episodes? You know, what can we do to, to truly bring this alive? And so I think it just depends on, the, on each book, the situation that we're in, and, uh, uh, and what the author wants. So I think you touched on something really interesting there, which is fan expectations and you've mentioned very explicitly author expectations and I've reviewed movies for the last four or five years and uh, up until March or so when <laughs> movies stopped coming out. But I sometimes wonder if, if I'm going to a film screening that is of an adaptation of something I've seen, I sometimes wonder if it is a little unfair for me as a reader to be reviewing it because I come in with such a different set of expectations. I mean, adapting is hard. It has to be one of the hardest things that a filmmaker can do because there is so much expectation. How do you manage that? How do you think about and approach that both from the fan side, but also from the author side? And I guess my my secret unasked question would be, have you ever been in a situation where an author has really different expectations than you do. And you kind of wish that you hadn't taken that book on. You don't have to answer that one. I just am wondering it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I love it. It's my thing. It's my job. I thoroughly enjoy adapting novels. I love to read and I love to imagine the entire world that I'm reading. And so for me as a filmmaker, to be able to bring that entire world to life is a dream. For me to have access to the author who created that entire world and ask them if this is what they were thinking at the same time is even better. I find myself in incredibly fortunate. As a fan, I get to make this for me to be able to watch it and love what I watch. So I'm, I'm both this filmmaker who loves to read, is a fan of the author and a fan of the work, and I want to watch it and enjoy it. So I found myself very fortunate. I'm, I'm really living the dream for me as a filmmaker. But, um, you know, there have not been any authors that have not liked, that have, that have been thoroughly angry with us. There have been authors that have maybe not initially liked the initial draft of the script or not liked the initial direction that we were going in. And then we have a conversation with them. We pivot. We make the change. We address their concerns, and then we go in that direction. Um, but we pay attention to the author's vision very quickly. It's really important. It's, it's their story. That's such a cool way to think about it, that you are – it's a good kind of storytelling that you have wanted to do. Um, and I can sense, because yeah. we're now with 60 episodes in, that Jess has a question for you. But before I let her ask it, I'm actually going to do um, our last ad spot so that we have – done it and we can just jump right in to the rest of our conversation. And our second ad spot is from Recipe of Persuasion by Sonali Dave and William Morrow Paperbacks. In Sonali Dave's Recipe for Persuasion, 
Ashna Rajay finds herself in such desperate need of a way to save her beloved restaurant that she agrees to join Cooking with the Stars. Enter Rico Silva, her celebrity teammate and first love. Both believe the other abandoned them in a time of need, but can they heal the wounds of the past and find a way to work together? And now I am going off script because I have a whole list of talking points that I could tell you about this book, but I have read this book and I love this book. Uh, Sonali Dave has this amazing ability to write epic romantic dramas that feel like they should be the kind of epic stories that take place over four or five or I don't know however many books Outlander is up to by now, but she fits it all into one book, which is amazing. And she does something so fascinating with this book. It's a third person limited alternating perspective, which you, both of you and everyone listening will be familiar with where you are getting the you know one main character side and then the other ones. But she's such an amazing storyteller that she introduces a third point of view about a third or a half of the way through the book. And she does it in a way that it adds this incredible depth to the story and to the relationships. It is fantastic. Uh, do poke around for content warnings if you are a person that looks for those. If you can't find them, ping me. This is Trisha, not Jess or Tosca. Don't be bothering them. They probably don't know the content warnings, but you can let me know. And this is probably my favorite book that I've read so far in 2020. So please do yourself a favor and check out Recipe for Persuasion by Sonali Dave. Huge thanks to them for sponsoring the show. And Tosca, I'm not going to tell you how to do your job, but if you wanted to adapt that one, feel free. It's it's great. It's a really good book. Sounds good. I look forward to looking it up and reading it. It's Yeah, it's it's fantastic. And like I said, Jess, I feel like it is your turn for, for question asking. I just wanted to take a minute and fangirl out about that particular book. I'm so glad you did and were able to in, in this situation because I've gotten to quote here, even though it hasn't been in volume, Trisha's excitement about this book. And I look forward to reading it when I am in a mood to read something besides comedies. Fair. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> so I am going to change the, not the tone, but change it up a little bit with my next question, mostly because yeah. it's something that I've wondered for years. And um, books and television and movies often give me very conflicting answers to this question. So I thought I'd ask someone who has a great deal of expertise in it. What does a producer do? <laughs> we all need to know, Tosca. <laughs> <laughs> we all need to know. <laughs> Well, uh, there are many different roles that a producer takes on. So we have, um, you know, I guess in film and television, it's actually quite different. Hmm. And we're in the streaming world. And so in streaming world, the executive producer is the one that has a lot of creative control over everything. The executive producer would be myself and the author or the executive producers on every movie that we do at Passion Flicks. The producer also does and, and certainly has all of the creative sides in mind, but they handle all the contract negotiation with any actors that come in. They handle uh, unions, logistics, where we're shooting, when we're shooting, what our schedule looks like, how much it's going to cost each day, where people, they work with their entire team, of course, to where are we going to stay, how are we going to get there? and. Uh, you know, I can't make a movie without a really good producer. Producers are a vital, vital role, obviously, mm -hmm. in, in any movie making. In, in our world, the creatives tend to be the executive producers. In feature films, um, when you see them on, 
the theatrical releases of, of feature films, the executive producers may not be that creatively involved and the producers would be more creatively involved. Like with, with every decision on from, from clothing, the color of clothing, the approval of clothing to the approval of sets to decisions as to what director is hired and what writer is hired and all that sort of stuff. And, and then they take it all the way to delivery of content. So they will take it all the way through post-production. If you have to re-record lines, if you have to find a specific song or music or, or, you know, license something differently and you have to negotiate with distributors and, and then sell your content somewhere. Again, my world is a little different because I own Passionflix mm. and Passionflix is the distributor and we make everything for Passionflix and for our fans directly. So everything that we do is basically soup to nuts. So as an executive producer, I find the content with my team, of course, with my incredible team that I couldn't do anything without. I, I love them. I, I don't want to take all the um, all the credit here. I, I, I honestly couldn't do it without them. So we find the content, we, we option it, we write the script, we make the movie. I will executive produce and direct those movies most of the time, handle post-production with my great team, and then we distribute the movie. So we handle everything. And I personally oversee every aspect of every movie that's made from start to finish as an executive producer. I don't know if that really answers your question, because I think producers are really, they have different roles in every project. That answers the question very well, because the answer is many, many things and a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a lot. Yeah. You can't make movies without great producers. You, your movies would fail. Well, I think you've answered the question for all of us about why when a film wins a major award, the producers get to go up and accept it. Before, I was like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know about this. What about all the other people? <laughs> yeah. And now I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, that's fair. That actually, that's what I checked out. <laughs> they hired everyone. Yeah, fair. <laughs> so, yeah. So the producer is the HR director of any sort of film endeavor, plus about 50 other things. Yeah, they found the project, they hired the writer, they hired the director, and they hired the actors. Which, I mean, that's not nothing. It's not nothing. <laughs> no. It's not nothing. They also found all the money, Ooh. and they, they made it. Yeah, yeah that one is... Whew. So what you're Very saying... Very important. I need to find a producer to pay off my student loans to find all that money. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that'll help Yeah, make a film about yeah, exactly. it. <laughs> Perfect. So let me ask you, you know, one of the... As a fan of romance, and I person who lives very much in the genre, I'm sure that you are very much aware of the fact that one of the major and most important conversations, if not the most important conversation that we're having in the romance world right now in terms of books and films and all kinds of different things is about inclusion and about diversity and about how we ensure that happy ever afters are accessible and available to all people in books and in film. Have you thought a lot or at all or any about different ways to make sure that Passionflix is telling an inclusive set of stories for all different kinds of people to find their happy endings? Absolutely. You know, we're a firm believer of love is love, and it doesn't matter about age, race, ethnicity, or, or sexuality. We want to be able to show that love is love. You know, again, we're a very small company, so we've only managed to do as, as much as we have done, but we look forward to doing much more um, inclusive 
material as we are able to option it. You know, um, unfortunately, the the material that we have tried to option that is um, a little bit more diverse, those authors are the ones that have turned us down. So we actually haven't been able to option it except for Brenda Jackson, who's been fantastic. And we optioned her books, three of her books, and we've made those. But those other authors that have more diverse content have turned us down. Well, you know, there's a, yeah, we'll see what happens. As so Hopefully they change their minds and they'll come back. But yes, right now that's our problem. Well, and hopefully too, you know, I think the other piece of it is, is a pipeline issue, right? I think right now, a lot of the books that, that are high profile, that maybe are a little bit more diverse and inclusive are, you know, folks that have other options, which is great, but hopefully yeah. the pool becomes a lot bigger, right? And that there are yeah, more books and stories for everybody. Absolutely. And, you know, again, you know, Passion Place is not here to take all romance novels and turn everything. Our goal was to really um, hopefully spearhead this and create a bit of a jumping off point. The more people that get out there and make stories, turn our favorite novels into movies and series, the better. We will promote, um, you know, consensual sex, we'll promote um, removing shame from sexuality, we'll promote communication, we'll connect uh, connection, compromise in relationships. Uh, love is love. All these things are very important, and we need to focus on that as as our goal. We're there to really support anybody that wants to make positive content about people that love each other. Yeah, and I will say, like I said, I, I have done movie reviews for a while, and one of the things that I do when I look at an IMDb page is scroll all the way down to the casting at the bottom of the cast and crew section. You start to get. The perspective of or the understanding of some of the people who are even just beyond directing and producing behind the camera. And I think a lot of people may not have an understanding, and there's no reason why they would, of why it is so important to have a diverse collection of people and certainly women in all kinds of roles. The, the example that I always use is, you know, I saw Wonder Woman a couple of years ago and I saw how Patty Jenkins represented Wonder Woman. And then I reviewed Justice League and saw Mm -hmm. how Zack Snyder represented Wonder Woman. And that is two very different perspectives on the same character. And it, to me, felt like a really big difference between having a female director and a male director. You know, that's it's unfair. It's a sample of one. But over the course of the time that I have been researching and watching films, it's a pretty big difference. And so can you talk a little bit about the importance of having a variety of perspectives, even just beyond in a cast or director's chair? Well, yes. I mean, I think that the um, the female gaze is vital, specifically when um, portraying a movie where the female might be the lead role or when we're talking about um, subject matter that's probably mostly watched by women and hopefully will encourage more men to watch. But when women see things in a very different way than men do, and, and listen, I love men, and I think they're great, and I, I value their opinion as well. But I think that the woman's opinion and how they see things is just as just as vital, certainly. And uh, specifically when we're talking about um, the communication of, um, uh, of how people speak to each other and how people touch each other and, and how we should be treated and how we can be treated, and <laughs> women have a different way of showing that. So I think it's important for us to have as many voices on set that can show their 
I, I, you know, you know, it's different. On set, you have the director is ultimately the voice, right? The mm-hmm. voice is the director and they're the ones that are going to make that decision. So Patty obviously is an, an amazing director and a big fan of hers. And she showed a very strong woman who was beautifully confused by this this men and male and female role roles that they yeah. have. And it was it was wonderfully eye opening for those that that didn't see it. But it was like, um, but it was just it was delightful to watch actually, yeah. just to see that you know, like so, so blatant on the screen <laughs> and and kind of making fun mm-hmm. of it. It was great. <laughs> so for us to be able to make movies and then have um, the female perspective of, of how we want to see things and hear things is very important, and that's what we can do as women. Yeah, no, delightful is such a great word to describe it because it. Yeah, I now want to rewatch Wonder Woman. I love it. I'll watch that movie anytime it's on. It's one of my favorites. I watch it with my daughter. It's <laughs> it's great. Ah, uh, yeah, it's just delightful. And the thing that people don't understand is that Chris Pine actually comes across great in that movie, also. Like, <laughs> oh, no, he's wonderful and also delightfully confused yes. uh, <laughs> by the by the gender yes. roles. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. We could gush over that movie all night long. It is a good one. We could, but instead I will uh, stop talking and let Jess, <laughs> let Jess have a chance of actually asking you something. <laughs> oh, I, I appreciate that so greatly. I mean, I would join in in the gushing, but I will, I will um, move this back as Trisha did so work so hard to do back into our line of questioning. And actually, just because we've been talking for a while Trisha, can, you can do what you want, but I'm going to jump down a little bit in our list of things that we definitely wanted to talk to you about. And it's something that I touched on earlier about the future. What do you see as the future of Passion Flicks? I know you said like mm-hmm. you're on a huge endeavor as far as scheduling and building out your catalog and your collection of things that you haven't produced with inside Passion Flicks. And since you already said that this isn't, you're not trying to be the be all of romance adaptations, do you have a goal in mind for sort of the ideal passion flicks of the future? Sure. And I'm going to correct you. I do want to be the be all of all romance adaptations. That is, that is my goal. Okay. Uh-huh, that's awesome. I love that. Yeah. But I am excited about our all of our authors being adapted. I'm a fan, so I want to see their books being turned into movies so that I can watch them. I can read them and watch them. Mm-hmm. And if I can't do them, I want somebody else to do them. Um, so, But ultimately, I want to do them. So let me, just to be clear, I want to be the be-all and end-all. I'll That's take it. it. Yeah, um, <laughs> on board. I'm not backing away from that goal. <laughs> you know, ultimately, I have a, a goal at Passion Flix to, uh, as I mentioned, our mandate is to remove shame from sexuality specifically from women and from men, but specifically from women, and to promote um, positive relationships between men, women, men and men, women and women, um, whatever the relationship should be, through communication, connection, and compromise. So, so that's our immediate goal, and it's, it's very mission-based. And then our long-term goal, and, and we're doing all that through adaptations, book adaptations. Our long-term goal is to take uh, socially relevant issues and uh, surround them with an epic love story so that we might be able to enlighten people while still having this beautiful, hopeful uh, ending 
to a story. So we want people to connect over something that they might be able to learn about and be enlightened about, but without hitting them over their head with it and making them feel uncomfortable or that they don't know anything about the subject. We want them to be included in the subject and grow to love the subject through um, more of a a love experience. If that, if that, I don't know if that's clear to you, but basically taking socially relevant subject matter and surrounding it with an epic love story. That's great. To enlighten people. Those are some of my favorite romances. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, oh, wow. You have some? Send them over. I want to do them. Oh, we'll start. We're going to get to that in just a moment, Tosca. Don't worry. <laughs> okay. uh, let me ask you great. one more question before we actually do get into some of those recs, which is the only reason I, I want to fit this question in is because it's one that I think a lot of people worry about or at least wonder about or think about. And so many romance novels contain pretty explicit sex, which is a thing that's not commonly seen in mainstream film, but it's really important to a lot of these stories. Can you just talk for a second about your approach to sexual content in your adaptations for passion flicks? Sure. Well, again, you know, our movies are made for women. So, and we want to remove shame from sexuality. So I don't think that there's anything wrong with sex. And I don't think that um, women should be shamed from having sex or enjoying it or asking for what will make them happy. We want people to be happy. And men have no problem with asking for and demanding what will make them happy. But women feel that they, the, the general consensus is that they're uncomfortable with doing it and they keep quiet about it. And this can lead to a lot of really serious issues like not being able to, you know, being shamed over any kind of uncomfortable sexual situation that they're in so they don't talk about it. And that can lead to obviously, um, you know, assault and, and rape and things like that. So we think that removing shame from sexuality is the first step towards empowering women in general. And so when I come uh, around to doing sex scenes, Again, we want to see them from a female perspective. I want women to watch these movies and go, that's how I want to be made love. That's how I, that's how I want to be made love too. You know, that's that's how I want to experience the situation. And um, all the women, this first thing is consent. You want to be able to show that the woman says yes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Either through leaning in and they're kissing the person, them physically, <laughs> them actually saying the word yes. Mm. The man saying, is this okay? Are you okay? We can stop anytime. All those things are really important things that I think even our our men in this generation, generations ahead of us and and below, need to understand that women need to be able to say yes and no. The men are physically stronger than us and they they can overpower us in many ways. But constantly asking us if we are okay, are we comfortable? Does this please you? Does this make you happy? Are you okay? Can I help, you know, can I be that? What can I do for you? These sort of things actually help us and, and help us to create a better sexual experience. So we like to show that. And then when it comes to any kind of nudity, you know, I am a woman. I have a lot of those body parts. I don't need to see mm-hmm. them. <laughs> and this is made for women. <laughs> um and so while I want to know that the person is, I want to know that the person is naked, that these people are um, actually having sex. Obviously, they're not. It's a movie, by the no, way. Well, sorry, they're <laughs> not having, very, very fake. And I walk them through yeah. everything. <laughs> um, but we want to we want to envision, we want to, like, in our own minds, envision this. And so we try and hide. We don't want to show nipple that much. We don't want to show breasts or any of those things. We want to show the um, two people exploring uh, each other's bodies, their connection with their eye contact, 
touching a cheekbone, a shoulder, a chest, you know, even holding the breast. Those are things that are really beautiful and sensual and women like to see them and that's what they envision. And so I think that's a, that's a, from my perspective, a way of teaching great sexual contact. So that that's my goal when I come to directing a sex scene. <laughs> yeah. And if that response is not enough to get our listeners to go and get a Passion Flix membership, I don't know what will. So thank right? you for that. that is. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> no, I mean, that's, yeah, it's everything you said is everything that we always talk about. So before we sign off, we we do want to make sure that we get you some good, solid recommendations. The probably polite thing would be to let you start, Tosca, because you are our guest, but because people probably have no idea what you're going to say, and they might have a sense for what Jess and I are going to say. I will actually, Jess, do you want to start and maybe give a couple of we just we thought figure we'd play it broad and just give some some general recommendations for books or adaptations or books that could be adaptations or whatever. So, Jess, you want to start? Well, it's interesting that we got onto the topic of social issues surrounded by a great epic love story um, because yeah. one book that I haven't talked about in a while, although I think Trisha, you have recently, is "Let It Shine" by Alyssa Cole. I love Alyssa Cole. <laughs> right. She's isn't she great? Let it shine. Yeah, let it shine. Um, it's a novella okay. set during the um, the era of the Freedom Riders, and it's just the most wonderful thing. <laughs> yeah, I talk about that book in my sleep. I love it so much, Tosca. You could read it like on a plane. Like you could read it on a short okay. plane. You're, you're good. To go. <laughs> sure. Um, you know what? Um, historicals are actually a little difficult for us to get into because, of course, they cost so much. But if it's mm-hmm. a novella and Alyssa Cole, who I'm a big fan of, it could be something that could le- that could um, and also that that era is not that far yeah. back. So so theoretically, in my you know, you have me here at uh, nearly 10 o'clock at night, East Coast time. So I'm going to say we could do it. All right. And if hope I mean, <laughs> we will promote the heck out of that, just so you know. I'm not going <laughs> yeah, to cool. tell you to do it or not, but Jess, do you want to throw out another one just before we circle around? I will throw out one that I I read very recently. It came out this week, actually. When you're listening, it would be the previous week. And that's something to talk about by Meryl Wilsner. I hope I am saying their last name correctly. It is a, actually, it's a Hollywood romance featuring a television showrunner and her assistant who basically deny that they have feelings for each other for way too much of the book. But if you love slow burns, this is for you. Oh, I love a slow burn. <laughs> I mean, Will's Inferno is a slow burn for five and a half hours, five hours, five <laughs> hours of slow burn and then three minutes of fire. <laughs> Which is a lot in a book, but it's even more in a film, Tosca. Like that's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let me give you a couple too. And then we'll, we'll let, uh, like I said, you guys know what we're going to say. So we have to keep Tosca on the hook. Yeah. <laughs> so I will say I was going to talk a little bit about the Brother Sinister series by Courtney Milan, which is wonderful. And everyone should read it because it is historical. It might be a little harder to adapt. So I'm going to skip past that one and basically say that anything that you ever wanted to adapt by Talia Hibbert, including the Ravenswood series, which takes place in England. So, you know, if the weather is good there or you can find fake English weather. Here, yeah. <laughs> our cities look just like england exactly you know i mean <laughs> i grew up in the pacific northwest and i feel like it rained all the time and it was basically england whatever it's fine 
Oh, all those stone lanes and yeah, we maybe didn't yeah. have those. We had, we had tulip yeah, fields, five hundred year old homes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so there, there, you might need a producer for some of the parts of this. Uh, <laughs> uh, but it's a really lovely series about a lot of people in a small English town that tend to be kind of misfits, and they're all different cultures and races and sexualities, and um, so that's the Ravenswood series. So it's one to keep an eye out for. The other one I will mention is a little bit of a curveball. Stick with me. <laughs> it's it's okay. called Better Off Red. It's by Rebecca Weatherspoon. And it is a sorority lesbian romance that also includes vampires. So I'm just saying, if you guys ever wanted wow. to a hard corner at Passion Flicks. I mean, I love uh, vampires, so I'm down. So, yeah. Sorority is just, yeah. I'll I'll go I'll go the rest of it. Sounds good. And sorority, why not? I was in a sorority, so I should just say yes. <laughs> See? And I feel like she does Rebecca does a really great job of both like leaning hard into some of that sorority tropes, but then also flipping other pieces of it on its edge. So it's a great mm-hmm. book to read. It's a it's more on the erotic romance yeah. side. But again, if Tosca or anyone else listening ever wanted to adapt it for film, I think it could be a lot of fun. So I'll, I will put that one out there. Okay. <laughs> All right, Tosca, what do you got for what do you got for the listeners? Uh, well, my suggestions are going to be currently Gabriel's Inferno, which Obviously. is one of the best series that um, I've read and um, and is. Uh, you know, going to be released tomorrow on Passion Flicks as uh, the first part of a three-part mini-series. So the first part releases May 29th on Passion Flicks. And the book is great. The, as we mentioned, slow burns are a big favorite. So it is a slow burn <laughs> with, a, with a heated end and uh, and beautiful sequels that, that follow very emotional. And uh, I think great themes, which I enjoy. Obviously, the Driven series is a winner with with our audience and with me i'm i'm enjoying i enjoy it and i look forward to making the sequels to that we have the first series um on passion flicks and then a, a book that that just it has all the feels you know the the one that just really makes you that emotionally vulnerable um is fighting to breathe by aurora rose reynolds i don't know if you've read her work but um it just when i read it it just allowed me to uh, you know, we're we're very pro validating of all emotions, and I think that sometimes women just need a really good cry. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is that book; it gives you that really good cry in a safe space. I actually don't know that one. Now I'm going to have to look it up because that sounds incredible. Oh yeah, thank you. Are you guys adapting that one, or is it just a one that you're a fan of? I am actually, uh, I actually am directing that one, but I'm not sure when. Again, it takes place in Alaska in a small uh, village, yeah. so I'm. To see, apparently, I can only go to Alaska uh, between late June and August. So I was going to say, and like maybe late <laughs> August. Yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah. Okay, great. So late June to August. That sounds perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll just schedule that around all of my other. We can only shoot in summer movies. Yeah. <laughs> nope. That is. Uh, that is very fair. You know, the wonderful thing about Gabriel's Inferno is that the whole, almost all of it takes place during winter. So we were, that that was one that, that's just scheduled basically from, you know, Thanksgiving through to March. Gabriel's Inferno mm-hmm. is just like, mm-hmm. <laughs> all that's, that's so helpful. It's like all those people who are making like Twilight and uh, Fifty Shades of Grey who are like, oh, we just need a place where it rains a lot. I bet we could find that. <laughs> exactly. <It'd> be all right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Actually, yeah, I guess before we, we let you go back to your life, Tosca, is how is the, the COVID 
situation and the pandemic and everything shutting down, I, I'm sure that's impacting you in a significant way. You know, it's um, we actually just finished filming Gabriel's Inferno and we filmed a third of Gabriel's Rapture, which was the sequel mm-hmm. to Gabriel's Inferno just before the shutdown. So we were in post-production for Gabriel's Inferno. So in that way, we actually had this time sort of you know, partially blocked off. Um, but I was supposed to have shot three more movies by now. We were supposed to have filmed Wicked by Jennifer Armentrout, also a great movie, Paranormal, yeah. a great book. It's going to be a great movie. It's a great book. <laughs> um, I love her work. And we were going to shoot the Driven sequels. Um, and we would have finished filming all of that, but we haven't done that. But um, but we still have content. Like we still have Gabriel's Inferno to release. We wouldn't have released the others toward until the end of the year or early next year. So, well, that sounds like optimism. So good. Yeah, you know, you know, we're going to get back to it, and everyone's just looking to uh, looking at how we can come back safely. And you know, of course, our all of our movies and all of our stories are about people connecting and being close to each other. So it's impossible for us to shoot things where people are not close to each other. So when people feel safe and and precautions are put in place, and uh, we will get back to it. Excellent. Yeah, between that and the, you know, tuna fish sandwiches and the, you know, everything else that was so delightful about this conversation. I think I think we can we can leave it there. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for for joining us, Tosca, especially since um, you have had a long day. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, exceptionally long day. (laughs) But but it's such a pleasure to speak with you guys. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. We really appreciate it. And I think um, we all got to learn a lot in this conversation. So thank you for for taking the time to educate us. Uh, And as always, you know, you all, we won't take extra time and explain where you can find us on social media, because, you know, we say it all the time. (laughs) Tosca, do you want to tell anybody where they can find you or Passion Flicks online? Yeah, please find Passion Flicks at, at you know, passionflicks.com. You can also download us through any iOS or, or Android device. You can find us on the App Store. And then um, we're also on your Apple TV and Samsung TVs, things like that. Myself, you can find at Tosca Musk uh, is my handle on pretty much all social media. So I'll see you there. Yeah, and I can vouch for the fact that uh, Passion Flicks is on Apple TV because it's on mine. <laughs> so thank you again for the time. Thanks to everybody, as always, for listening. Jess, am I forgetting anything? Just thanks for being out here and listening to us. And if you get the chance, please try to rate and review the show. It helps people find us and it helps us know what we can do better. But in the meantime, if you're reading, happy reading. And happy watching Passion Flicks.